from number five chambers. This is the planning podcast and I'm Richard Kimblin. There is so much going on this autumn and the planning podcast is going to grapple with it. Now, getting to Spain and back might still be a challenge, but we are having a go at a top 10 tapas of topics from amongst which in due course you will find zoning and local plans, including tech, flood risk, what's happening there, design quality, and of course we're going to turn to the standard method and the consultation on that and its consequences. Permission in principle, the review of EIA, there is so much going on and there'll be a revisit to net zero, particularly in the context of energy efficiency standards and the way that is playing out. But first up, is the Environment Bill, and more particularly, environmental targets. What are they replacing? And what is industry and affected sectors and the governments thinking on how those targets should be set? How and when are they to be enforced? And what has running a marathon got to do with it? With Nina Pindam, Planning and Environmental Barrister at Number 5 Chambers, and council member and trustee of the United Kingdom Environmental Law Association. We get right up to date. Hello, Nina. Good afternoon. Hello and good afternoon. Splendid. Now, there is an environment bill, is there not? Yeah, and unless you've been living under a rock, you will have heard about it. Although lots has happened over the the past few weeks with it, so... There are a few updates after the the freeze. Mm. It was undergoing line-by-line scrutiny back in March when lockdown was imposed. And uh, my understanding is they got to line 20, roughly, and then everything had to stop immediately. And since then, the Public Bill Committee has had yet further delay. They were due to report back by the 29th of, of September 2020, but that unfortunately has now been pushed back to the 1st of December 2020. And of course, the all-important position of chair has been advertised. That advertisement is now closed and the position will be announced sometime in November, from what I understand. And let's just unpack that a bit, because we're talking there about the OEP. What's the OEP? That is the Office for Environmental Protection. And the reason for um, this new body, so it's a new government body, an independent government body, that's set up to fill the the governance gap, in effect, that's created by Brexit in terms of environmental law. So the plan is for the OEP to replicate the enforcement functions of the European Commission in environmental matters. Right. So it's responsible for monitoring and enforcement and advice. I have seen lots of material in respect to the OEP where people have been very unhappy about the way in which the mechanism for enforcement is provided. So replacement in of infraction proceedings by judicial review, I've seen that. And I, I suggest that we don't enter into that uh, rather uh, difficult thicket. Another podcast, perhaps, for that one. <laughs> another, another podcast for that one. But there is now, as you say, a real impetus behind this. Uh, and the government is, uh, in terms of, terms of environmental policy, really very committed, yes. it says, to significant environmental improvement and to that end has included within the Environment Bill uh, provisions as to targets 
and DEFRA published during the course of August uh, a policy paper on targets. And it seems to now all be gathering momentum. And I think that you've got some updates on that. Uh, yes, absolutely. So we have received confirmation that DEFRA is already working on scoping the targets. And this morning, Secretary of State of DEFRA, George Eustace, confirmed that DEFRA is looking at actually setting more than one target in each area. The targets will be, in his words, holistic and coherent. So we shall see relatively shortly, I suspect, what DEFRA's plans are in a bit more detail on these targets. Now, Nina, are these short-term targets? Short and long-term. So the the targets that everyone's focusing their minds on are the the long-term targets, because those have the teeth. Those are the legally binding ones under the Environment Bill. And the time frame for those is envisaged as a 15-year time frame. But there will be interim, non-legally binding targets as stepping posts and milestones along the way. And the view is that those interim targets will help ensure that we are on the right track to meet those long-term, legally binding targets. Now, let's take some environmental compartments, water, air, Mm. and take an environmental industry, waste, Take those three, water, air, waste. Why should we be interested in the fact that DEFRA is going to be developing these targets? Well, the hope is that these are A, ambitious targets, so they're going to be stretching for industry in terms of their day-to-day operations and long-term investment programs. They're certainly going to have to pay attention to these targets there because the regulators, of course, are also going to be very keenly keeping an eye on the targets and the environmental outcomes, more importantly, that the targets are meant to achieve. So industry needs to be aware when they're planning their long-term investments, what the framework is for those investments, what the actual parameters for the environmental improvements that they should be making will be. And that will be set by these targets. And we're going to find out what the targets will be by the tail end, roughly October, so they say, of 2022. So by that time, we'll have a firmer idea of of what the government is intending industry to achieve in water and waste in particular. With air, it's more nebulous in terms of investment programs, because, of course, The primary problem with air quality is vehicle emission, poor quality vehicle emissions and diesel vehicles in in particular. And so that's a bit of a a trickier target to uh, get a handle on because it doesn't involve simply spending money. It involves limiting consumers' choices. So that one will be an interesting one to see how that actually gets worked out in the long term. And in terms of the targets which are being replaced, I anticipate that some of those are going to be expiring within the time frame that we're looking at for the Environment Bill, by which I mean we were previously operating under targets, for example, under the Water Framework Directive uh, in respect of air quality, the Air Quality Directive. So we're going to be replacing things which we have for years been aiming at. Is that right? That's absolutely right. And that's actually one of the worries that's been picked up in conversations with DEFRA in terms of, of setting the targets is you've got this gap in terms of the framework. So the Water Framework Directive targets expire uh, 2027, of course, and the Air Quality Directive targets expire 2030. 
and of course no longer being members of the European Union, there is nothing binding us after that framework falls away. And so the, the target setting process by DEFRA will absolutely have to take into account this gap in the meantime between that framework falling away and the legally binding target deadline looming. Now, you've been listening very carefully to what industry and business leaders have been saying to government about what their requirements are so that they can assist in achieving the targets. What what have you learned? Yeah, and industry has been very engaged and very clear and consistent in their, their message. They are absolutely not saying we don't want targets and we don't want them to be ambitious, which is really welcome. What they're requesting is simply certainty and clarity. So they say the targets need to be clear, they need to be easily understood, they need to be long-term so as to allow that investment time frame to incorporate the target outcome. They need to have a, a long enough time frame to properly put into place the systems to achieve that target. If there are going to be any changes to the long-term target, because of course that is an option at the discretion of the Secretary of State, industry has been very, very clear that they need a lot of advance notice of that, particularly if there's going to be an increase in the ambition of a target, because then that also impacts on industry's investment programs. So they will definitely need sufficient advance notice of of anything that will affect investment of infrastructure in industry. But the key messages from industry are consistency and clarity. And I would expect that the same points apply with equal force to public bodies which uh, operate activities which have impacts on air, water, waste. So local authorities are going to have exactly the same thoughts and exactly the same desires in terms of that predictability Mm. and also leading times, I would imagine. Absolutely. Air is an perfect example because, of course, the the main mechanism for controlling poor air quality in local authority areas is local planning policy. And that, as we all know, with some occasionally painful timeframes involved, it takes a long, long time to develop. The the local plan framework is five to ten year uh, process and sometimes longer, but it, it does require a lot of advance notice of the actual end point that the planning authority should be looking at. Now, you're involved via the Broadway Initiative and generally in a variety of ways in the rather long trajectory of this <laughs> bill to, to date. What, what impression do you have from your most recent experience of, of discussion of the bill? Uh, so far as whether targets arrive via a top-down sort of mechanism or whether there is a more collaborative approach which might prevail? Well, that's a really interesting question because it it has been a long process. It's been uh, almost two years now that we've been working on this. My impression is that the government's plan was to have this, as you say, this top-down process. So they were to look at the outcome, the environmental outcome they wanted, speak to experts on what target would achieve that outcome um, and then also speak to the experts on how the process to monitoring the target would look and how that would work and then they were going to disseminate that effectively to the public and industry at large for a consultation but the the plan was by that point 
the mechanism would would really be set and it would be tweaking and making sure that that target was ambitious and stretching but also achievable within the time frame but my sense from very recent conversations now because the the conversation has shifted to the nitty-gritty of developing these targets now and it's shifted in a really helpful way in my view which is that industry is saying look we can help you at an early stage because we can talk to each other about what industry as a whole can do working collaboratively and maximize the efficiency and effectiveness of a your target setting process but also the actual achievement of the environmental outcome that you're seeking because of course if industry is working together then everything becomes an awful lot more efficient and the rules are common across industry and everybody's reaching for the same goalpost via the same means, which is also very helpful for industry. So I hope that's taken on board. It seemed to be to reach a receptive audience with DEFRA um, when that was being discussed. And I hope it is taken on board with DEFRA in their process planning so that they do involve industry and um, potentially uh, the public at an earlier stage to understand exactly how these targets should work. And it would be less hierarchical and more collaborative in terms of its um, the process of setting these targets. Okay, that's the process that's envisaged to uh, get us to the point where we reach the targets. But I, I want to go on a diversion. I want to, I want to talk about a marathon. So suppose, Nina, you're the sort of person who, who would... <laughs> suddenly decide that they were going to run a marathon. Yeah, and then it gets cancelled because of lockdown, yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, so suppose, suppose that you, you, you have this idea that you're going to run the marathon and you're going to run it on Boxing Day and you get to Christmas Eve, one day left to train. One day left to train is probably a bit late. Mm. Take that analogy... How does the Act help us with meeting the targets? What what does the Act do to make sure that we, we're getting there, that we're training, and that when it gets to the day the target is meant to be met, we're going to meet it? Does it does it cut it or not? Well there there's it it at least contemplates the need to train. Um so there are two key mechanisms in the bill for ensuring that we're on the right track and that we're building up our muscle quality and strength in order to achieve that marathon goal. And the first one is the ongoing monitoring function of the Office for Environmental Protection. So they're going to produce an annual progress report in meeting both the outcomes planned for the Environmental Improvement Plan at then in force, which is, as we know now, the 25-year Environment Plan, but also progress towards meeting the long-term targets. And that's an annual process, and that then gets put before Parliament. And importantly, the Secretary of State, it's public, and then the Secretary of State also publicly responds to it. So the plan is, by putting in this scrutiny and transparent accountability framework, then there will be annual progress, tangible, public, transparent annual progress towards meeting the targets, but also the second mechanism for ensuring that we are training properly and and on track to meet the target, the long-term targets, is the interim target mechanism. So these mileposts along the way that will indicate whether we are or not on track to achieving the outcomes 
which the targets are intended to achieve. So those are the two main outcomes, but of course neither of them are legally binding and they really rely on a responsible government uh, taking its responsibilities seriously and being accountable to Parliament and Parliament also holding it to account. So there there are assumptions in that framework, but they seem to be valid ones and certainly no Secretary of State would want to be embarrassed in front of Parliament, I shouldn't think. So they, they should prove to be effective, uh, certainly I hope. So going back to the post which is presently being advertised, it's uh, in one sense the opportunity to be the personal trainer uh, to the environment and <laughs> yeah. really push people, push industry, push government, push everybody that yeah. has to be pushed to reach the targets. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. So Nina, that was a fantastic run through literally, where we are now in respect of targets and the fact that these are coming around to be enacted via what's going to be the Environment Act and be the subject of really quite intense scrutiny and evolution. And we're all going to be affected by them. Absolutely. The next two years are going to be incredibly busy for us uh, environmental lawyers, without doubt. Splendid. Nina, as always, that is absolutely bang on up to the minute and immensely useful to our listeners and I'm sure that they're all immensely grateful to you thank you very much indeed my pleasure thank you Richard stay safe thank you bye that was the planning podcast thank you for listening next we turn to our tapas of tricky topics which we are going to have to grapple with during the course of the autumn there's so much going on I've mentioned a number of those issues right at the outset. But amongst all of those, we have a real mix arising from much that's going on in Parliament. An agriculture bill, which is having its own effect. The environment bill we've just turned to, planning reform, and there's the independent review of administrative law. All of those things interact. All of them will be grappled with. Thank you for staying with us. You've been a real pleasure to have with us during the course of the summer. Thank you for all of your feedback. Stay safe. See you soon.